0: Hey guys, hope you're having a great day. I know many of you mentioned burnout as a concerning topic. I know the statistics are, you know, getting really high for the number of physicians that are experiencing it. So we're going to be covering it today and the next few shows. We also, if you haven't checked it out, we also covered it last week. Jeff and I talked about using finances to fight burnout. So definitely go and check that out if you haven't done so already. So today, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Sapna Shahark. She is a primary care physician and has had multiple experiences going through burnout herself. So she's going to be sharing a little bit more on those experiences. She actually talks about burnout now, has her own podcast where she talks about different areas of burnout. And so some of those experiences, plus the experience of her, one of her good friends, Committing suicide prompted her to start talking more about it and sharing some of these things. Really, we all need to be talking about in her podcast and in her work speaking. So, we're going to be talking through some of those things she's learned and some of the steps you can take to start to ultimately like move away from this thing. Like, nobody wants to be burned out. So, we all want to know, like, how do we? avoid that happening? How do we spot it when it's, you know, creeping up into our lives? What are some things we can do? Some actionable steps we can take to move away from that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We had a great conversation. I know you'll enjoy it. So without further ado, let's jump into today's show. Hello, Sabna. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Really honored to be on.
0: Yeah. So, we are going to be talking a little bit about your experiences with burnout and some of the things that you're doing to kind of help educate and help other physicians. When we were exchanging emails, I believe I said this, I definitely thought this, but I'm very impressed with the work you're you're Partially you're just doing good stuff, but more importantly, like there's just not as many people as I would like to see talking about it. And I think it's a super important topic to talk about. Burnout and, you know, the stats are through the roof high for physicians and they've been going up and not headed the right direction, at least at this moment in time. So we're going to be talking about all that sort of stuff and some of the things you're working on. And I think it'll be great for you guys listening, whether or not you're struggling with burnout. This is just important stuff you need to know. But before we jump into all that, can you give us a little bit about you and kind of where you're at in life and maybe just a little bit of a a background on you?
1: Sure. So again, thanks for having me on. And I'm a midwesterner, Born and raised here in Kansas. Also did my medical school here in Kansas. Did my residency in Wichita Internal Medicine. And I've been practicing in rural Kansas for about a little under 10 years in one way or another. have a have experienced burnout twice myself, which some of them, the first episode did fit it within the first five years. But then, you know, just as the pandemic hit and a growing family, I really had to scale back. And there were some life changing events that I'm sure we'll get into that really exacerbated my choice to cut back to part time and focus on more work life balance and getting back to who I see myself as more than just a physician. We're all we're all pretty complex creatures as humans.
0: That is exactly right. Well, I'm curious to hear about your experiences, you know, with burnout and just with not being burned out, both of them are important, but I think it would be good to clarify like what exactly is burnout like what i know there's probably a clinical definition but like what does it feel like what does it look like like are we just you know can we kind of start there
1: sure and you know there's a formal definition world health organization and it's typically work-related where you feel disconnected cynical fatigue that is not remedied by sleep or rest And what we find is that even though that is the definition, I've talked to several physicians and with, remember physicians are very intelligent people with years and years of training, right? So we should be able to just have this internal clock that says, gosh, I'm not feeling well. And these are what my symptoms are and I need to get them checked out. A lot of times It takes physicians a long time to figure out why they're so tired, why they have no energy, and it's more than just, gosh, I'm working long hours. You know, we're used to that through medical school and residency. So for different people, they can also present as brain fog or, you know, grinding of the teeth or other physical manifestations that don't necessarily fit that formal definition.
0: Is it kind of feel like stress, but, you know, can't get rid of it and building and... Or it's just like you can't shake it and not excited about work anymore? and
1: All the above. You know, for me, the first time it was more of I couldn't turn my mind off. I couldn't turn my mind off. No matter what you were doing? No matter what I was doing. I have a history of insomnia, which, you know, I've always used it to read or do something. But I mean, it got to the point where I was falling asleep three or four o'clock in the morning. Just so that way I was so scared of missing a page. And I'd be up at six or seven to do it again. No, Seriously. So was
0: sleeping like three hours at four hours a night.
1: Correct. And some of that was self-inflicted. I will totally own up to that, but you know, I mean, it's just, you can't be on anything for sleep, nor would I want to, but how do you fix your, how do you fix your sleep if you can't get your mind to calm down and, and medicine, you know, physicians can be, there can be professional repercussions. If you seek help for certain things like that, because nobody wants to be given a mental health diagnosis it can potentially in some states when we go to answer questions regarding our or to renew our license every year you know these states have do you have depression anxiety are you being treated for mental health disorder and so you know that's one deterrent Kansas has now since changed that 2019 I believe as as of October um, it was consolidated into one question to, you know, if you have a mental health diagnosis or history of addiction that would impede your ability to use medicine, something of that wording. So mm. the Board of Heal- Healing Arts here in Kansas, they're very pro-physician and pro-getting help. Just to the, they just want to ensure that physicians can practice safely, whereas in other states, that is not the way the questions are worded. The reason why I say that is because, you know, that's part of the reason why physicians, you know, we're just horrible patients. We don't seek help because of professional repercussions or we are conditioned to, you know, you can't miss work to go take care of your own health.
0: Right. So you were feeling at that time when you started to feel some symptoms, you were also at the same time feeling that pressure to like not do anything about it or like, what does that feel like? Is it like, I don't want to admit this is anything or is it like, I know I have something and I need to, I'm not going to ask for help.
1: I think it was just Oh, come on. It's just, it's just part of the profession. Everybody goes through this. So
0: like man up or woman up or whatever. exactly
1: just cowboy up is what we say.
0: There you go. That's better. Put your big boy pants on or whatever.
1: That's right. You know, and it just became taxing to, it, it just became very taxing, it became very irritable, short tempered with simple things, lack of sleep did not help. And I'm sure that, yes, lack of sleep is part of the profession, but it should not necessarily have to be every night when you're getting paged or you're getting paged when you are not on call or on vacation because, well, somebody just wants an opinion. So it, the boundaries were very blurred and there's a culture of never saying no in medicine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious of your thoughts. So you mentioned the culture of medicine, and I know that's a contributing factor, you know, never saying no. What are some of the other things in terms of the culture of medicine that you mentioned, like the mental health stuff, like the fact that they're asking these questions that are, you know, not probably appropriate, at least in my opinion, questions on some of your licensing that's going to cause you to... I mean, that amplifies the not wanting to be... Taking care of your own mental health. What are some of the other things about the culture of medicine? Because I've heard that a lot, and I agree with that. Is that part of the issue here?
1: Absolutely. So, first and foremost, most people didn't did not go into medicine for the money. You know, we we give up about eight to ten years, and that's just for schooling. As if that four years of undergraduate, four years of medical school, and then at least three years of residency. So it's not for the money because we start behind the eight ball and come out with 200 plus thousand dollars of debt. So it's incredibly expensive to pursue medical school. And I think that there's a culture in medicine where this is the way it has always been done. This is the way that this is the mold that you need to sit and just shut up and do it. You know, fake it till you make it, which is, that's not healthy, nor is it sustainable. Yeah. You know, I'm all for professionalism, but can also maintain your individuality while being professional. Right. And it seems like that's not necessarily, at least when I trained, I had a great, I had great support, but I can also tell you that there, it, you have to fit a certain mold. You have to be perfect all the time, and while I agree about giving a hundred percent to for patient care because patient safety and good outcomes—that's what we all want—but I'm not a superhero. You know, I don't. They don't give us a cape when we graduate medical school or residency. So sleep is important. We know that when driving with a lack of sleep or incredibly sleep impaired, that's equivalent to driving intoxicated. Right. So those are some things that are we have crazy expectations for physicians that are based on tradition. The fathers of medicine were all doped up on cocaine while working those crazy hours. Residents, where the word comes from is that the train the trainees used to live at the hospital. And literally. That is literally. Yeah. Right. So I think some of the expectations currently are antiquated.
0: Yeah. My buddy that I run with every morning, he was actually on the podcast a long time ago. He's a parenting doctor, doctor of parenting and child development. Like he's a professor. And he, we talk about, you know, our work a lot and when we're running. And I shared with him not long ago about physicians and the burnout statistics and all that stuff and how a lot of them struggle with self-care. And he was blown away. He always wanted to get into medicine long story Mm -hmm. didn't get into it but he was blown away by the fact that he always kind of thought of like physicians as like the top tier of taking care of themselves and had it all figured out and that kind of thing and uh, you know maybe on their facebook profiles they look like that i don't but it seems like self-care is a big deal and being you know patients come first and sometimes to the you know you end up being second and i think that's a problem in itself
1: It is. It is. And, you know, that's not one thing I want to clarify is that is not the patient's expectations, right? That's not the patient's expectations. I have fantastic patients that do realize my humanity and I'm appreciative of that. One thing is that we are trained that way through medical school and residency. The patients always come first and, you know, well, I've never missed a day of work. And, or I only missed one day with the flu or we'll hear, you know, I've talked to other physicians where they know they should have stayed home, but it's a badge of honor to show up to work and not take care of yourself. So it is the culture. Self-care is not selfish if that is the way you replenish your cup, right? Because we can't be running on fumes. We know that when physicians are burned out, There are more medical errors made, it costs the system more money, and there are worse outcomes because of all that. In the end, it really does matter financially and for patient safety, plus for the safety of the physician. 300 to 400 physicians a year here in the United States take their own life. They die by suicide.
0: And how many people wreck their cars on the way home from work after stupid long shifts? And you know, maybe who knows what those statistics are. I'm sure that's hard to figure out. Right. And then you know, family issues that it causes, like when you come home and you're like, spouse is like, where have you been? You know, there's always mm-hmm. a lot of problems that can come from all of that. But I think it's imbalance. Part of it is just you have to have balance. It's impossible to be perfectly balanced, but. Having zero balance, like all in on 100% on work professional, even if you absolutely love it. That's the problem is like people love it going in. A lot of people we work with, but it almost like ruins their passion or at least hurts it because they're so all in on it. Anything you go all in on like that, you're going to suffer from when you don't have balance. 100% on point. So like you're, you're motivated to talk about this. And I referenced that earlier, like a lot of, I- I'm blown away in that the statistics, what is it like over 60% are saying they're burned out in medicine. That's like the latest with the pandemic, you know, post pandemic, but like, there's still not a ton of people talking about it. And I thought, you know, I would think on the surface, like there's a ton of people, like 60% of physicians are burned out. Um, I would think there'd be tons of people talking about it, and there is more and more people talking about it. But how come nobody's talking about it? And what motivated you to start talking about it?
1: I think that people are starting to wake up, and you know, you have some other physicians that may not be, that may have transitioned previously into like physician coaching, or they're still practicing and. So I think we're seeing more and more physicians waking up, healthcare professionals waking up. But for me personally, I've experienced burnout twice. And it, you know, each time um, I did try to address it as soon as I recognized it, of course. It takes a while to recognize it. Once you experience it, you're kind of on the lookout. At least I've been on the lookout for it. So I'm kind of always aware of it. Hey, I need to scale back or I need to just... Not, yeah, I need to take some days off and not do absolutely nothing. You know, that's also productive if it is recharging. But the biggest thing that really pushed me forward was in 2019, my best friend from medical school and residency, also a physician in my hometown, died by suicide. And, you know, when you get that call, I got a call from her, a spouse, while I was at work and... That's how I found out. When you receive that type of news, I think it just, it changes you. It makes you think, what in the world am I doing? Not that I want to leave medicine. I did not want to necessarily leave medicine, even though at that time I was grieving enough where I probably could have walked off. I had to really stop and process what was going on and say, what do I want out of life? Do I Am I okay with working Five, six, seven days a week, and the answer was no. So I had to spend time processing, grieving, and then figuring out what do I want from life, what does that look like, and was medicine to be a part of it. And ultimately, yes, I did not want to leave medicine because I love internal medicine, I love my patients, I love what I do. But I had to find better work-life balance in order to see myself doing exactly what I'm doing in you know, 20, 30 years for me, I had, I chose to go part time. I was able to, I figured out what I needed or what I could give up in order to make that happen.
0: So seeing her, seeing your friend and that whole situation and your mm-hmm. experience dealing with it. And then you're thinking, you know, I need to help other people. Is that really the trigger? Like that? Because the podcast is a helping thing. Like you're not the. You know, talking about burnout is like a sharing thing and open thing. And I mean, you could have just gone on your way and, you know, lesson learned and life's you're working on balance and life's better and you've gotten through it. But like you're doing stuff now.
1: Right. So I have the Worthy Physician podcast. I started Mm -hmm. that up in about April of 2021 during the pandemic. Yes, I was, I think, a way of for me as a way of grieving and also. You know, if it can help one person, another physician or even a non-physician saying, hey, you know what, this is important. This is life we're talking about. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about head, shoulders, knees and toes. And just because people don't talk about it, just because physicians do not talk about it, it's because we're conditioned not to. If you ask for help, that means you're weak. That has been part of the culture. That is not the way it is everywhere. So I wanted to I want to help to normalize the topic of mental health, of the topic of being human, dissatisfaction among physicians, about burnout, moral injury, or just being fed up with just the unrealistic expectations that are placed on us. So that is the reason why I started the podcast and I've learned quite a bit from it too. So I also appreciate, you know, making the connections with others learning and even trying to implement a lot of that into my life so i also learned from it which is fantastic
0: yeah yeah that's been my experience as well it's just it's great to interact with people you know and different experts in that kind of thing so going back to your friend i'm curious so was she struggling with burnout herself was it kind of a surprise thing like i don't want to if you're not comfortable going into the details of that I'm just curious like was there anything tied into to what we're talking about that that you learned from her situation before the fact or after the fact how did that play out
1: sure so actually can we pause it for a second
0: sure I'll just edit okay so
1: I was her physician I was her physician so I'm gonna try to word it gingerly if that's okay
0: yeah that's fine editors cut that out all right, we can start back up. Like, cat okay. <laughs> uh, clap.
1: You know the Dr. Baker's suicide was complete unexpected. She was always, I mean, she made rounding at three a.m. in the ICU look fabulous. You know, mm-hmm. she could be incredibly tired, but she looked. She was always very well put together, very positive. I don't think anybody would say a bad word about her, and her patients absolutely loved her she had she did not want to seek professional help because of professional repercussions and so she did not seek the correct uh, the correct avenues or had underreported symptoms of depression and her suicide was a tragic loss for many for The medical community as well as her family and friends. But the fact that a physician was worried about professional repercussions before, and that's the reason why an individual did not want to seek the help that she knew she needed. It's tragic. But it is a big barrier to physicians seeking help. One thing that Kansas has done and is that the Board of Healing Arts has consolidated that question again into do you suffer from an you know mental illness that would impede your ability to practice medicine, which is much different than have you ever seen a mental health professional? You right. know? And it could be a, a therapist or a counselor. And so when there is a profession that is asking that type of question, but you would give different advice to your patient but you cannot follow your own advice that seems like a double edged sword that is definitely a double standard and that is not safe
0: yeah that's a problem it's like unable you're unable to practice what you preach
1: right right and so when i'm very proud of kansas and again can't say enough good things about the board of healing arts here because they are pro-physician and they are pro getting help I've spoken to two of the Board of Healing Arts members and they're just phenomenal gentlemen. And yeah, that's That's good. awesome. You know, we need more individuals like that. We need more individuals like that in leadership that can help to change the expectations of physicians. So the fact that some, yeah, some do have it figured out and I'm happy for them. But a lot of us are, at least for me, you know, it's fluid. Life is fluid. I have no idea what next week will bring. I have no idea what next year will bring. And so I have to be able to change with that and that's fine. But we also have to have a community and culture that will also acknowledge that and not be so stuck in tradition just because that's the way it has always been done.
0: Yeah, I talked several episodes back, I think it was like, in the episode fifty range, I talked with Doctor Buden. He's a experienced, very experienced physician, and was on later in his career. And the way he describes it is, he came out of the closet with his bipolar. He talked all about this, but exact specific topic of mental health and how the you know the questioning is very critical, and, and how he felt all this pressure for years and years to not come clean on you know mental health condition and eventually did and it was the best thing he ever did and then in another show i talked with tina runyon and she has started a company it's called 10 health and they are helping their whole mission is to provide mental health services and counseling and that kind of thing to physicians and uh, healthcare care providers uh, in a, a private like manner to where it's not like insurance disclosed or whatever to help mm-hmm. kind of To this. So there's people working on the solutions. I think the states have to, you know, change some of their questioning too. I keep hearing that over and over again. Yes. But these are, you know, people are working on these solutions. So, and that's great to see, but I want to shift to, you know, I'm, you know, just a physician myself. Like, what -hmm. kind of things can I start to do to either prevent, well, maybe first of all, like spot, like, how do I? you know, tr- what's a trigger I should be looking for? Like, maybe I should be asking for help or, you know, maybe this is something I should look out for that's happening in my life. And I know you've mentioned a few already, but what are some thoughts on that?
1: Sure. So uh, one thing I would say is that really check in with yourself and even have somebody that you trust, whether that be your spouse, best friend, a coworker or something, where you're checking in pretty regularly. Every three months or even more frequently to see, hey, do I feel fulfilled in life In not just my work, but my personal life, my life outside of medicine, you know, making sure that all those boxes, the play box, the spiritual box, the work box, the family box are all checked, you know, and if one is being neglected, definitely start to try to cultivate that.
0: Yeah. Like then that requires having relationships, which is kind of to me, one of the boxes Is relationships so you kind of you have to have relationships to do what you're just what you're saying like you have to have someone to be able to talk to. Some people don't even have anyone. A lot of people don't even have anyone to talk to, which is a challenging spot to be in because you feel alone. But you know, in that situation, I think the first step is you got to proactively, you know, find people that you can relate to and have that conversation with. But having that, con- being able to have that conversation with someone—that's the guy I run with. Like I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. I have that guy, buddy right. of mine, and, right. you know, and my wife, and but different circumstances. You want to, like it, professionally, I talk to him about that stuff, and it's amazing to have a person that you can say anything in the world to, yes, and that they're not going to judge you, and that they're going to like you know allow you to be vulnerable and that sort of thing. It's amazing to have that kind of person, and once you do, that's you can just you know. You want to check in, check in with them as much as you can because that's they're going to be kind of that you know mirror because it's very difficult to self diagnose, right? Oh I mean, yes, it is for oh, me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And once you you know once you've established that relationship, if you if they say, hey, you know, you seem kind of off, well, in in what way? You know, take that inventory and really see, okay, oh gosh, you know, I'm getting irritable. Why? Why am I irritable? Being able to, I think, and this is something we are horrible at sometimes in medicine is really looking at our emotions and it seems very foo-foo, but I think it's very important to say, okay, you know, what are my emotions here? Why am I irritable? Oh, because I'm angry or I'm angry because I've told five patients this week that they have cancer or I have been getting little sleep or... I feel overwhelmed because of these projects, you know, so it's important to label those things. And then once you label those things, I would say, prioritize and delegate as much as you can. And at the end of the day, if you don't recognize yourself, or if you find that you're not satisfied where you are in life, change your narrative. really sit down and look at what you need to be able to achieve that satisfaction. And for each person it's gonna be different. For me, it was more time to look at things outside of medicine, such as the podcast, such as speaking, such as getting outside and you know, not being under fluorescent lights. That's what I needed. So each for each person it's gonna be different. For those that do not have for physicians in particular, if you do not have somebody to that you feel that you can talk to. There are resources online where these are volunteers. And one is physician coach support. They are available. It's not 24-7, but it is seven days a week via Zoom. These are physicians that are volunteering. And, you know, from one physician to another, it is important to have that connection. Sometimes when you're not, when you're speaking to somebody that is not a physician or non-medical, some things get lost in translation. Sometimes it's nice to speak to a peer. Another one is Physicians Anonymous. And that has been started by a physician in the UK. And that is, that is via Zoom as well. I think those meetings are on Tuesday night. Again, via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to connect and to maybe hash out some of these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll link to those. Hopefully they have both have websites i'll link to those in the show notes but yeah resources are good you mentioned prioritizing and delegating i'm curious what exactly you mean by that
1: sure so for me prioritizing i prioritize okay when i'm at work i concentrate on work but when i'm at home works off work is off it's i'm i hang the doctor hat up how do you do that a lot of compartmentalizing And I, you know, it's never a hundred percent do stay up thinking about my patients. I do stay up worried about my patients. So, you know, that patients that we really care about our patients as physicians. And yes, they keep me up at night at times. So it's not always a hundred percent, but I do the best I can. And I do outpatient only. So I gave up hospital work a couple of years back. And for me, it's worked out well. You know, I'm pageable at in the after hours and on the weekends. And you know, we have a call group as well. So there's that barrier as well to I'm not being on call every weekend. We have, I think, about six physicians, more or less, that are in the call group. So it's nice to <laughs> be able to rotate.
0: Yeah. Delegating?
1: Delegating. You know what? A, my house is not going to be... I mean, it's clean, but it. you know what? I have small kids. They live here. It looks like they live here. <laughs> so, yes, there are toys. There's crayon on the wall. I have, and just, you know, started to embrace their creativity. And, you know, for me, that that's okay. And we're pretty open. I'm pretty open with anybody. Okay, yeah, you know, we have, I have kids and they look like they live here. So if that's not okay with you we're we can meet elsewhere, right, for coffee or what have you. But also if mowing the lawn, it needs to get done. However, if that is another to-do thing, if it is in your budget, have somebody else cut your lawn, have somebody else do your grocery shopping and deliver groceries to your house. You know, we have, we can utilize technology with for that. Right. There are also other, you know, wanting to eat healthy is good, is also self-care. And for those weeks that get crazy, yeah, we'll do, I'll do freshly or fit and lean. So those are nice things to have that are ready and, you know, a little middle of the road, but you're, you don't have to spend a lot of, t- so that's just the way of that yeah. I delegate. I um, gotcha.
0: Yeah, those are good. I think developing the habit of like comparing things, that's the prioritizing part. So for example... If you're busy, everybody's busy now, right? Right. So like everybody's busy. So let's just acknowledge all of us listening have all of our schedule committed to. We're all busy. And so one commitment is taking away from another opportunity. So if you're going to mow the grass, that's time you're not able to spend with your kids, for example. So if you don't feel like you're filling the bucket with your kids, like do not mow the grass. Like there's plenty of people that, want to work and need the income that will go and mow your grass and do a better job than you will that you can pay and they're happy and you're happy and you get to spend time with the kids exactly all kinds of things like that in our everybody's lives and physicians are in such a good position because you have the income it's great because it gives you the ability to be able to do those kinds of things so outsourcing prioritizing and outsourcing i like that you know way of wording it but it's you can look at those things that you consider like not So for me, like mowing my grass is way lower than spending time with my kids. And so being able to have someone, you know, take that off my plate and opening up time for me to spend time with kids is that's an absolute home run. And you can do that in all sorts of like cleaning the house, like, you know, all sorts of different things in your life, uh, especially for those things that are lower priority.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And that frees up capacity to recharge. Like me recharging is like wrestling with my kids in the basement. Like that's a recharge thing for me, you know, to kind of get some shake things if work is stressful and that kind of thing.
1: We also know that just human interaction with some of our favorite humans, there's nothing better in the world. It's incredibly therapeutic. Like
0: laughing and like dancing and being a dummy. Like that kind of stuff is good.
1: Exactly. for,
0: For like, I don't know, I've never experienced major burnout, but like. I've had plenty of stress and anything I can do that's like laughing or, you know, fitness like running as hard as you possibly can. uh, It just clears your mind and, you know, allows you to kind of work through stress. And those sorts of things are huge. But I think when in, in medicine, there's two things that I see restrict people is time and money. And I think that's true in everything. In training, you have like such limited time and even in practice sometimes, and it makes it more difficult when you just have so much time that's already committed. And then on top of that, sometimes the finances are already committed to as well. Like, if so, in other words, you're required to commit the time because you have so many financial commitments, mm-hmm. also kind of a restricted sort of environment. But I think you've done some podcasts where you talk about like getting that ability to recognize that and saying no, like, saying no is something. And I think we talked about it earlier, like being able to say no is a big deal. Correct.
1: So I think boundaries are huge, right? We have boundaries with property lines. And why is that? Because we don't want everybody trampling over our lawn or, you know, somebody stealing our cable, what have you. That might be antiquated nowadays for some listeners, but, you know, it was a real thing back when I was... What's growing, cable? Right? <laughs> exactly. What's cable nowadays? You don't want anybody stealing your Wi-Fi, right? So... uh We need to have boundaries with our time. We need to have boundaries with our, with a big resource, which is energy, right? If they're only 24 hours in a day and I'm going to put in, you know, 100% each day when I get up, what am I going to put that 100% toward? I need to allocate what's important to me and what is going to be important for my patients. And then also outside of that, well, what's important for the kids? What's important for me to recharge to do it again? And if something that is being asked of me is not in line or if I don't feel like it is something I can actually do because I just don't have the time or the energy, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no, I can't do it now, maybe later, and Mm -hmm. give another option if you want to. And if you just want to say no, can't do that, and... Leave it at that. That's perfectly fine. And it's not to be, it's not to be pushy or to be arrogant, but you know, you can, you can also draw boundaries around your time and your energy. Because we also know that spreading yourself too thin and anybody in any profession is sometimes rewarded, right? But what's the point if, if it drains you, what's the point if the stress is your daily satisfaction?
0: Yeah. Right. I work with, not work, I volunteer with a retired physician doing homeless stuff. And he, I've talked to him a lot about his career and everything. And he, and I've heard multiple people say this, but his biggest regret is working too much and spent not spending enough time with his family and doing things like volunteering, like we're doing now. And when he was young and, you know, able and, and that sort of thing, his regret was not having, you know, dedicating you know too much time to his practice and basically like saying yes to everything related to work but you know you don't want to get to the point where you're the person in the late stages of their life that's like regretting having not said no so I think reminding yourself for me it helps to and my wife helps me too sometimes like the people in my life that I love help me remember this but like reminding myself when you're saying yes to something you're by definition, saying no to something else. So like, what are you saying no to is really the better question. If you say yes. No.
1: That's beautifully said.
0: And if you can remember that, I have to, Some I forget it all the time, but like, if I can just, it's like write it on my screen, but especially if I had it, I've developed a muscle. I think it's a muscle too. Like saying no is a skill. Nobody, well, some people are naturally good. I was not naturally good at it. I've had to work on it but if especially if you're trying to work on that like saying no boundaries type stuff you literally put it on the screen like so you see it cuz mm-hmm. we all forget we get so busy especially in, if you're in busy mode like you forget what you know you're how old you are or what you you know what day of the week it is it's just the
1: <laughs> it's unreal.
0: the mind gets kind of fogged but well as we start to wrap up any other suggestions or tips for people on like navigating this whole like career balance, or even maybe people that are, you know, struggling with burnout or asking for help. I think you've already thrown out some great resources, but other resources or ideas, or I know everybody should check out your podcast. That'd be a great place because you're teaching stuff. I mean, like you're talking to experts and talking about this stuff and you can really dig in there, but other things that come to mind that we haven't talked about yet.
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, coaching, is definitely something I think physicians should or people should consider right because it would be something that is not necessarily labeled as a mental health professional yeah and you know they're not there to necessarily give you advice they're there to help you look for your own solutions so right coaching is always a good middle of the road
0: I think my opinion is that everyone would benefit from coaching yeah it's Sometimes a difficult jump to say yes to that and it's expensive. It's like I don't want to pay, you know, thousands of dollars because you're paying a super smart person to help you through things. But right. if you've ever I've worked with multiple coaches and basically what they're doing is like helping you to identify yourself, like what are those most important things or priorities, like we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier. They're gonna help you like identify the priorities, like where you wanna go, what's most important. And then look at your life and say, where am I out of line here? Like, what am I doing? And they're going to become like that mirror that's going to say, because they're not, like you were saying, they're not like pushing you anywhere. They're just helping you to self-direct in that, ideally that direction of like what's most important. And everybody wants to do that. That's the thing. Everybody wants to move towards like an ideal life. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a great suggestion. But it seems like it's been... Now, there are a lot more I see like physician coaches, like physicians coaching physicians. And that's really good to see, you know, as an expanding thing. But I think, like I said, everybody in my profession, like it's been a thing, like it's kind of a thing that people have coaches. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, it didn't seem like there was many physician coaches.
1: Yeah, I think it's starting to pick up more and more. I see a lot more enthusiasm maybe because for that, again, physicians we are really taught to educate our patients we're taught to edu- you know help with the lead them down a certain road with motivational interviewing we're taught how to communicate with patients and so we learn a lot of these skills in medical school which are, i think are very parallel with what coaches do and so i can see why more and more physicians are having that as an interest i would definitely say you know what i understand 100% I do understand the professional how scared you can be as a physician or another professional in to to seek mental health. But you are definitely worth it. And you know, get involved with yeah American College of Physicians is for internists. Get involved in your professional groups. Get involved and really try to legislate to the Board of Healing Arts or to the bodies that be that Make up those questions because they do need to be changed. Start somewhere with trying to advocate for that change. But before you do that, if you're feeling like you need help, seek help because you are definitely worth it. You can be replaced at work. I've seen it happen at the drop of a hat, but you cannot be replaced at home.
0: Yeah, do it for your family. You know, Seek help. It's It's okay to ask for help. Everybody yes. needs help. That's the thing. Everybody needs help. All of us also. So I said we all need a coach would all benefit from a coach i also think everyone would benefit from meeting and work and talking with a therapist like amen yes we all need like we all got all this baggage especially so i go see a therapist i'm like i don't want to talk about my childhood they're like you know within a few minutes we're somehow talking about childhood and i'm like crying i mean that's but that's how you work through those things and you know it's you feel better at the end but it is intimidating sometimes for us perfectionist type A types, you know, to seek help. But it is everybody needs help.
1: Yes. And to be honest with you, I since my friend's suicide, I've been in therapy. And Mm. it is because it was a huge loss. Suicide leaves a lot of unanswered questions. Yep. And I'm not gonna sit here and judge somebody for doing that, because That person must have been in a lot of pain to do that. And that's sad because we lose so many beautiful people every year to suicide, whether physician or non-physician. It is just too common. So I would love to see those numbers go down. I would love to see that physicians and other professionals can actually talk about, hey, yeah, today was really hard and this is why and have it be okay and not be looked down upon for vocalizing or showing their humanity, showing their vulnerability.
0: Yeah. Well, keep up the good work you're doing. I know that's helping, you know, move the needle. It's a big needle to move. Like I know the (laughs) profession is, you know, well entrenched and, you know, a lot of people like to do it just because of the way that's the way it's always been done. You know, I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but like, What you're doing is making a difference and I'm glad to see it and I've enjoyed talking through this. It's been very helpful. So thank you for coming on and I definitely appreciate this. We'll have to continue on the discussion. There's a lot of different directions you can take this stuff. but
1: Sure. Anytime um, I would love to and thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, thank you. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at w-r-e-n-ne-financial.com.